Look in 2 Peter in chapter 2, and I'll read some verses in the Word of the Lord. Great chapter of the Word of the Lord. Spent some time here on yesterday that uh, it's been a number of years. I don't know, probably 20, 25 years since I've taken a text that I'm aware of from this chapter, and I've never taken a text in the verse where we're going this morning. But I want to share with you what the Lord has laid on our heart for the meeting today. Good to see a good attendance in the house of the Lord. I know we've got several of our preachers preaching today. I told Brother Eddie this week, though, I told him, I said, Now listen, you, I'm going to tell you about this anniversary service coming up the Sunday before Christmas, like Brother Sammy Allen tells me about camp meeting time. If any of these preachers' calls want you to come preach that week, you tell them you're booked. Uh, that is our anniversary service, the Sunday before Christmas. That'll be December the 22nd will be our 23rd anniversary and uh, here at the church. It'll be 23 years since we had our first service. And I told Brother Eddie, you be sure to just tell them you're already booked for that service. And I appreciate the Lord using these men, but uh, for that service, they, they, I've told them they're booked here. <laughs> and uh, we're looking forward to that that day before, or Sunday before Christmas, excited about that 23 years. We praise the Lord for his blessings. Second Peter chapter 2, if you'll turn with us in your Bibles, everybody that's able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us and we'll reverence the reading of the word of the Lord. Last Sunday, many of you knew that I was not feeling well. I ended up getting shots this week, taking antibiotics all week, been out of work a couple of days, actually sick. And even the days that I was there, I was present in body only. Um, it's been a bit of a trying week. I'm feeling a little better this morning, probably just better enough to just preach the hide off the walls and uh, may get sick again, but I feel like preaching this morning. And I'm thankful to be able to deliver the word of the Lord. And I have something burning in my heart, and it's always exciting to preach God's word when you have something burning in your heart. I am burdened and troubled for our time and for our day, for our family, for our children. I'm burdened for the churches of our time and the place where we are spiritually. I'm concerned for our nation and the mess that it's in. And if you do not understand that our country is in a mess, you either don't know what a, uh, what, a, uh, what a mess really looks like or you don't understand what it's supposed to look like when it's not in a mess or you are just uh, like an ostrich with his head in, its, in the sand. We are in a mess. Um, our world, our country, our morals, our... Uh, religious system is in a mess. And uh, God help us to turn our hearts unto the Lord. The only answer this morning for what is, uh, what is troubling the hearts of men is the Lord Jesus Christ. Your only hope in eternity is God and your only access to God is His Son, Jesus Christ. It is not through some saint. It is not through Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I appreciate all the saints of God. I appreciate all of the testimony this morning from the Sunday school lesson of how the Lord worked in Mary's life. But that is not our point of access to God. Our access to God is through Jesus Christ. And uh, the church is not even the solution. The church has the solution in the gospel, but the solution is the Lord Jesus Christ. The solution is the gospel of Jesus saves Jesus saves, delivers, and heals. That is the answer, is putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's time God's people become witnesses to that gospel again. And do so demonstrably, outwardly, openly, and unashamedly. 
And that is the solution for where we are. But this morning I must preach a little bit about the trouble where we are as well as the solution and encourage you and exhort you as well as warn you in the things of the Lord. That is where God has chosen for us to go this morning. It is my lot to deliver the message and I want to be obedient. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 1, the word of the Lord says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels at sin, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds." The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us <clears throat> while well, read the word of the Lord. In our text here this morning, verse 1 warns us about false teachers bringing in damnable heresies and how that they bring upon themselves swift destruction. Verse 2 tells us that there will be many who will follow them. Literally, it says, many and many shall follow their pernicious ways. We'll come back to that phrase. He said, the way of truth, because of them, the way of truth will be evil spoken of. The testimony of the gospel will be hindered because of those who have followed after the pernicious ways of the ungodly. He talks about in verse number 3, the selling out, how that with feigned words they had made merchandise of you. They had turned the gospel into enterprise, making money, attempting to develop wealth on the basis of the gospel, twisting the words of the Word of God in order to suit their own purchase and pad their pocketbooks rather than to declare, thus saith the Word of the Lord. What a shame that is. And the Lord has had enough of that. Matter of fact, He has never accepted that. He's never tolerated it without judgment. He has never winked upon this thing of deceiving and being deceived. He spared not the angels that sinned, is what He tells us in verse number 4. And He brought judgment onto them, cast them out of heaven, dropped them off into hell. The Bible said they were that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And He reserved them unto judgment, the Scripture says. In verse number 5, He spared not the old world. 
The only one that was uh, surviving in the days of Noah was Noah and his family who found grace in the sight of the world and the sight of the Lord. But rather he brought on the world the judgment of God. He spared not Sodom and Gomorrah. When those cities were turned to sodomy, to wickedness, to ungodliness, men chasing after men, women after women, that thing that is against the flesh, the Bible said, against nature and an abomination unto God, the Lord dealt with them. And only one man in that place was spared. But even that one man gives us an example of what not to do. For that one man knew better. That one man knew what was going on there was not right. That one man had a soul that was... Was righteous, but he vexed his righteous soul daily with the conversation or the lifestyle or the nature of the wicked by seeing and hearing. He followed the pernicious ways of the ungodly. He followed what they were doing. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And he said then to reserve, to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. There is a very clear distinction that is painted here between right and wrong, between godly and ungodly, between sinful and but pleasing unto the Lord, between what is pleasing in God's sight and what is disdained in the sight of the Lord. Everything is not okay. Everybody is not okay. Sin is not going to be winked on or ignored by the Lord. And he said that there's a judgment coming. You'll find this word judgment again and again and again and again and again in 2 Peter chapter number 2 there is a judgment. He said that he's going to reserve the unjust of the day of judgment. Earlier in the chapter he said some think that because it hasn't happened yet they think because that it hasn't happened swiftly. They think because nothing has taken place yet that, that the judgment lingereth long and that their damnation is going to wait but he said judgment lingers not and damnation nation slumbers not. That is uh, there is an appointed time that God's going to bring these things that have taken place in our world before Him. And the Lord is going to discern what is right and what is wrong and going to mete out the judgment that is right. Nobody's getting by with anything. Everybody's going to answer before the Lord. And some think because something hasn't happened yet that this person or that person this one who's cheated on his uh, taxes and that one who's lied about this thing and that and this other one who's been dishonored in, in his business dealings and the other one who has uh, had dishonored his marital vows they think because that they look like they're getting by with it that they are but nobody's getting by the Lord is going to bring all these secret things into the judgment whether they be good or evil and God knows about it all that which is done in secret will be shot at from the rooftop that which is done in the corner will be declared openly and there will be no secrets on that day the Lord shall declare the secrets of men and shall judge them by Jesus Christ the scripture says there is going to be a day of reckoning coming that's just a reality that is not popular preaching at all but it is the truth from the word of God if you believe the Bible if you believe John 3 16 oh and if you believe 
gave all those wonderful verses about the love of God. And if you believe what the Bible says, that it is true, if you believe the Ten Commandments, then you also ought to just go ahead and believe these verses before us this day. There is a day of judgment coming. There's a day of accountability, a day of answer that is coming, where men are going to stand before the Lord and give an account for this life. And when we see these things happening before our eyes this morning, God forbid that we should follow after the ways of the world, follow after the foolishness of the world, follow after the wickedness of this society, and chase after those things which are wrong. Let me say it this morning, this phrase I may say this 10 or 15 times while I'm preaching this morning. When things go wrong and people go wrong, don't go with them. When things go wrong and people go wrong, don't go with them. Now I'm going to say something real profound right about now. Everybody in the building this morning has a mother. What about that? That shows how smart I am. They'll figure that one out, isn't it? Everybody in the building this morning has a mother. And everybody who in the building this morning has a mother has heard something like this. Well, if everybody was to jump off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge with them? If everybody else was to just jump off the bridge, what would you do? Just go with them? But my friend, let me tell you, when things go wrong and people go wrong, don't go with them. Our text this morning is in verse number 2 where the scripture says, And many shall follow their pernicious ways. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. When others go wrong, when things go wrong, when people go wrong, don't go with them. Don't go with them. Though all of this has been prophesied what we see taking place before us uh, for thousands of years, it still amazes me that America, our culture, and especially the church world has declined so severely and so swiftly in my lifetime. It's not one denomination. It's not one church. It's not one region. But it is a work of Satan that is abounding among men and women all around us. Older people, some of you my age and my seniors this morning, have seen this change and have come have watched it take place and have gotten used to the dark and some have just settled in to watch and accept what's going on the rot in our society take place and accept it without complaint listen I might not be able to stop everything that goes on in our world that's wrong but I'm not going to stop crying out against it I might not be able to put the brakes on on everything that's happening in our world but I'm not just going to sit down, twiddle my thumbs and say, oh well, everything's going to hell in a handbasket and I'm alright with it. I'm not sticking my head in the sand. I'm just pretending like everything's alright but I'm going to cry aloud and spare not. I'm going to raise my family to understand that there is what's right and there is a wrong. That there is a right way and a wrong way. That pernicious ways and we'll come back to that phrase in just a moment. That pernicious ways are not to be followed. That when others go wrong, we are not to go wrong with them. God help us to get a backbone like molten steel and rise up in our time as children of God and do what is right if everybody in the world gets upset about it and if nobody accepts it and if we go alone, may the Lord help us to do what is pleasing in the sight of God. 
It's not one denomination. It's not one church. It's all over the place. Younger people who have come to, who have never known the past of their elders and their fathers run after false prophets who are leading contrary to the word of the Lord. People who are unevangelized totally have find it easy to ignore God, church, the Bible, and the gospel, and they count the matter of the judgment as irrelevant. Amen. And that they don't consider that one day they'll really stand before God. That it is not a fable. That it is not just a a fairy tale. But you're going to give an answer before the Lord about what you've done with the only life you'll ever have in this world. You may not realize it this morning while you sit in Truth Baptist Church and sleep in Zion. But where we are is a time of spiritual crisis. Oh my friend, while church people go about their daily lives divided over foolish and frivolous things. Oh God have mercy. Personal agendas, matters of the flesh and the pleasures of this world. They seem not to realize the party is just about over. We're nearing the end. And like a roll of string that is unwinding, the closer it gets to the end, the faster it's spinning. We're nearing the end, friend. Oh God help us to know what time it is. And my friend, we read the Bible, see what time it is. And yet so many, the closer we get to the end of this thing, as so many follow the pernicious ways of those who trouble and hinder the gospel. I wish some of you could have heard, and I may make copies. I don't know, it's too long to put on one CD. Copies of what Brother Ed Ballou was preaching. My wife and I listened this week. It was a long enough message. Brother John, we listened all the way to Douglasville in holiday traffic. And, on the, and then when we got there, we sat and listened for a few minutes before we went in. And we listened all the way back home in holiday traffic. And he still wasn't even close to done preaching. And I listened to a piece of it while I was coming all the way to church this morning, pulled in the, uh, pulled in the parking lot out there and he still was not done preaching. He was on about minute 92 when I pulled in. Somebody said that's too long a preacher. Would to God somebody would have listened to what he was saying. Yeah. Preaching about the need for us. How to get in line with God. And do all we can to promote the gospel of Christ. And to not stand in the way of the agenda of the Holy One. To promote my friend to save the world from sin. Oh we're following the wrong crowd this morning. We're following the wrong group. We're following that crowd. When I say we, I'm talking about our culture, our religious culture, our uh, our society, our American culture, our southern, southeastern culture. I say I know little about the rest of the country, but I know a little bit about them. And I'm telling you, most of them's even worse off than what we are. And we're in an awful shape ourselves. Amen. And we have followed down the road of wickedness and ungodliness so long that most people just think it's this way. I talk to people listen to folks who act like things have always been like this. Those of you who are as old as what I am have some silver in your hair or a little more silver in hair than what I've got. Brother Thomas is older than I am. But he's got to use just for men or something because he don't have but like four gray hairs. And fellows with dark hair, Brother John, their hair is supposed to turn white like yours. And yet Brother Thomas is not that way. He's cheating somehow. It's got to be. All of you people out 
out there who are my age and older, you know it has not always been like this. When I say it, I mean culture. I mean church. I mean morality. I mean people. Have not always in our area, in our region, in our church world, have not always been like this. There was a day I could preach like I preach these days. And folks would get in the altar before I ever got done preaching. And folks would cry out to God. And the Holy Ghost would come down. And you could hear him shout a half a mile away. Oh, listen to me. There's days I preached on heaven. Folks would shout like there's already there. Preached on hell. And then we, because their friends and their family were going, preached on living right. They said, yes, I want to live right. And today you can't shake people. They're like a knot on a log. And my friend, they are a complacent and satisfied to sit in their ways and do nothing but rot where they are. Oh, may God open our eyes to the urgency of this matter. Hell is coming. Death is moving. And judgment is looming. Heaven is a reality for those who are prepared. And only Jesus can save us. It's time we get serious about walking with God, knowing God, living for God. And my friend, it's time we get serious about the gospel. It's time we commit our ways unto Him. It's time we realize we need Him every hour. We need Him every moment. We need His presence. We need His power. We need His spirit. We need His touch. We need His anointing. We need His word. We need His Holy Ghost. And we need God more than we need our next breath this morning. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. You wonder why I preach the way that I do? Not only what I do, but the way I do. If you see it, the same degree of urgency that God puts on me in my study and prayer time as what I sense. If you sense, my friend, that the clock is ticking, and my friend, and we're just about the last moment of time, and Jesus could come before the tires get cool on your car when you get home this afternoon. We may never see Christmas in this world. We may stand before the Lord. I yonder my friend before Christmas ever comes hey hear me this morning we are in the last days and it is time that men prepare to meet God we're studying this morning a bit in the book of Amos prepare to meet thy God oh my soul Studying a bit this week in the book of Second Kings. I'll come back to this chapter somewhere in the near future. On that thing, that thing. Oh God, help us this morning to address that thing that keeps us from walking with God. That thing that keeps us from getting near to the Lord. That thing that separates you and God. That thing that's between you and the Lord. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Webster's 18.28 Sister Patricia told me before church this morning, she said, be sure to define pernicious for us now. I asked my girls yesterday if they ever heard tell of the word pernicious. They were talking some sort of language about something that I didn't understand. You know, something they picked up on YouTube or I don't know. You know, the stuff, it just didn't make any sense. And I knew the words they were using, but I had no idea what they meant. I mean, I knew the words they were using. I knew what the words themselves meant, but not in context of what they were talking about. And it was some sort of uh, generation gap that was going on. And I remember when I was a boy, my daddy always took care of the gap between my generation and his with his belt. I mean, that just bridged the gap. But they weren't doing anything wrong, so they weren't in trouble. But I didn't understand what they were talking about. And they tried to explain it to me, and I kind of got it. 
But I still thought it was crazy to use the words they were using to explain that. And I told them, all right, I'm going to teach you a word now. This is what I'm preaching on tomorrow. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. And they looked at me like a calf staring at a new gate. I said, do you all know what pernicious means? And they got the same answer from them as what I got from Sister Patricia this morning. You might ought to go ahead and tell us what pernicious means, Brother Randy. I'm going to turn the service over to you now. Tell us what pernicious pernicious means. I knew he was going to give me that look. Pernicious, Webster's 1828. Webster's 1828 defines the word pernicious coming from Latin. It means to destroy, to kill, to bring about death. It is destructive having the qualities of killing, destroying, or injuring. It is to destroy, tending to injure gravely. The example that Mr. Webster used in this word in a sentence was, evil examples are pernicious to morality. Evil examples are pernicious to morality. Evil examples tend to destroy, tend to undermine, tend to kill, tend to, my friend, to take apart, tend to have killing qualities, destructive qualities to morality. Who does this pernicious business sound like? Tending to kill, tending to destroy, leading to death, leading to destruction. John 10 and 10, Jesus said, the thief cometh not before to kill and to steal and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Pernicious ways are devilish ways. Pernicious ways are ways that follow the devil and they bring about death, damnation, and destruction. They are ways that lead to killing. Per that is being pertaining to or likened unto a nix which is to wipe out or to eliminate or to eradicate. Pernicious is the things pertaining to eradicating. He said they're pernicious ways tend to kill, to steal, to destroy. And they are destructive ways. I'm telling you the way that this world, the way that America, the way that our current church world is going, it is not productive, it is destructive. It is not building up, it is tearing down. It is not right, it is wrong. It's not gaining us favor with God, but putting us under the hand of the judgment of God. And the real shame of it is, and many have followed their pernicious ways. This morning when you see the world and see people and see others going wrong, don't go with them. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13. Somebody said, I wish preachers wouldn't preach like you do this morning, preacher. Well, you're wishing against what the Bible teaches. 2 Timothy 3 and 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith. Which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine. For reproof. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know how I'm told in the scriptures to preach this book, Brother John? Verse number one of the next chapter says, Preach, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. 
Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come and they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall heap unto themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn their ears away from the truth and be turned unto fables. Had the Scripture told us these days would come when men would lead in the wrong direction, but the following of these men has happened. Oh, God, have mercy on us. And remember, when men go wrong, don't go with them. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. This thing of following the wrong way has happened throughout human history. Lucifer beguiled the angels in heaven had to rebel against God and follow Him. The satanic serpent beguiled Eve in the beginning and she followed Him. False prophets in the Old Testament led the people astray. Again I say to Mr. Webster evil examples are pernicious to morality. False prophets led the people astray. The Pharisees of the time of Christ my friend found fault and led to the crucifixion of Christ. Judaizing Teachers, and my friend followed the apostle Paul, and then led the people away from his teachings. False teachers in churches and seminaries have challenged the word of God in our day and turned multitudes away from the Bible by undercutting its purity and its authority. Multitudes have walked away, and my friend from God and religion altogether, and my friend discounting all faith and putting their confidence fully in the carnal intellect and abilities of man. Nations have determined government is the final authority and that the government is the answer for all social ills. But man gets sicker and sicker the longer it travels down this road. And Marxism and socialism and communism and my friend government intervention cannot resolve the illnesses and sinfulness of man. There are not enough programs. There is not enough money. There are not enough psychologists and psychiatrists and my friend beds for therapy that can resolve the ill that is in the heart of a man who is filled with sin and ungodliness. He is in need of a Savior. Jesus is His answer. It's His only answer. The minds of the multitude have been programmed to think according to the philosophy of this world. Government, schooling, social media, pop culture, and my friend peer pressure, they all work against godly parents every day. Don't know if you really understand this or not, but this world is combating. Those of you this morning love God, love the church, love your children, love what's right. This world is combating what you do every day trying to throw roadblocks in front of you and do all they can to undermine what you're trying to do in teaching your children. It's a reality, friend. And it's going to get more serious and more severe. I kid Gracie all the time about this. Most of the crazy things that have happened in my lifetime have happened since she's been born. Amen. She was born in 1999. Three months before Y2K. She was born. She was 10 years old before the first iPhone came out. Nine years old before the first iPhone came out. Gracie was born before most homes had internet access of any kind. 
Uh, she was born before most people had any sort of access to the net. She was born before high speed DSL, uh, 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G, or 5G. Uh, uh, she predated all of those things. That's how fast our world is changing. We're living in a world that is changing at warp speed. Uh, how do you realize? Listen to me. Uh, uh, my friend, hear me. Uh, uh, George W. Bush had not been elected. Bill Clinton was still our president when Gracie was born. That's how much has changed in this world. We have had a change of all sorts of things. Most of them not for the better. Our world is unraveling at the seams. Oh, and they are fighting against godly parents every day. I remember when I started preaching 30 years ago as a young man. If you did not preach against X, Y, and Z, they wouldn't preach you. Yeah. And then it got to where if you did not do, you didn't need to preach against it, but if you didn't do those things, then they wouldn't preach you. Then it got to where they really didn't care if you did them or preached against them either one. And then it's become, you better not preach against those things. And now they're saying you better not do them or preach against them. We are in a day of social and moral degradation. But when others go wrong, don't go with them. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Our children are being raised in a, up in an ungodly world where common sense and decency is labeled as the enemy of society. I'm going to say something some of you ain't going to like. But you're just going to have to just accept it because it's a fact. If you don't believe what I'm about to tell you, if you don't believe what I'm about to tell you, go home to the Google machine and check it out and see if what I'm about to tell you is not true. Right now, while we are sitting here this morning, we have the first president of the United States that we've ever had who supported gay marriage as a position and as a policy when he was elected for his first term. Barack Obama did not support gay marriage when he was elected for his first term. And nobody before him had ever supported had gay marriage when they were elected for their first term. And right now, the one endorsed by Christian Coalition, the one endorsed by most preachers that I know, and the one that's endorsed and supported by most Baptist churches, is the first president of the United States to have ever endorsed gay marriage as an official policy position before he was elected for his first term and he is still better than our other options. Now some of you that already has just eat you up. I mean you're ready to go home and put on your MAGA hat and march around and say I don't like what my preacher just said. It's a fact. You check it out buddy. It is a fact and I'm not saying how to go for the other crowd. The other crowd is worse. They have really gone off the deep end. When you think, when you think that the conservatives in our society are actually conservative our conservatives in our society are left wing nut jobs. I mean, they're off the far end of being left wing. We have very little conservatism left. Very little Bible believing left. Very little serving God left. But if the whole world goes off the deep end, don't go with them. 
Thank the Lord for good appointments to the Supreme Court. I'm glad I'm tax cuts. I'm in favor of a lot of things. I'm not preaching politics. I'm just telling you, sin is sin. And this thing of being married is between a man and a woman. And always has been and always will be. And Pete Buttigieg and his partner may be something. And they are something against God in the Bible. But they are not married in the eyes of God. Amen. Yep. Yes. We just had our first president ever to endorse gay marriage, and now we got a fellow that's just about leading in the polls on the other side who is himself openly gay and is himself married to another man. Right. He's got a good chance of getting elected. Yep. That's how far our society's come. Somebody tell me we're not down at the end of the roll. We're not down at the end of the spool. Is it not spiraling out of control? I, I thought everybody had better sense than that when I was a boy growing up. But a lot of them people just like me, they're still alive and they don't have no better sense than that. We are living in a world where men have followed the pernicious ways of others. Isaiah 5 and 20 said it's a society that would call evil good and good evil. And I do not hate anybody. But I refuse to be silent about sin and the effect that it is having on our generation and on our society, on our children, and our churches. It's time God's people rise up again and declare sin to be wrong, God to be right. Now, that's the introduction. I want to try to preach to you a minute. And I'm not worried about nobody this morning. I saw people buckling their seatbelt a while ago. <laughs> Amen. Reaching in their pocketbook and unrolling the rollades. Hallelujah. So you've already prepared yourself. <laughs> I wanted to a while ago reach back here and grab the phone. They got dominoes on speed dial. See if they deliver over here to this side of town. It won't take us just a few minutes. I promise you I will not preach any longer if the Lord wants me to. Just until I'm through. Why are so many following the pernicious ways of the wicked? Why are they following? Why are they going after them? My granddaddy would tell about how when he was a boy, he had five brothers and six boys all together. His daddy had 11. All of them boys within about 20 years of the same age. Him and his uncles and all of them been about 20 years of the same age. Here there was had 17 boys all within about 20 years. And they were rough. And they drunk enough liquor to float battleships and they fought one another and then fight everybody else. They were rough. Mischievous. Poor. Struggling to survive. He said they'd get rough on one another and get to fighting half the time in the field and then have to work with their clothes torn all to pieces. He said that first day of spring had come and they'd be out there plowing, working, getting the fields ready and start just feeling just a little bit warm, sweat dripping from their foreheads and say, oh my, it has become summer already. It has become summer. Let's tie the mules and go swimming. Down there on that little river, that little uh, a creek that going down through Tice. He said they'd jump in that river, go down there to the river. All them boys I'd take off their clothes, get off their overalls, or as he would say, overhauls. I'd start to jump off into the creek. And he said one or two of them would jump off into the creek. And you'd look down there at them and see their lips turn purple, shaking all over, quivering, trembling, trying to get up out of the water. Looked like they was about to go into shock. And realize. 
realize it ain't near as warm as what we thought it was. It's not warm weather. It is not summertime. It better not jump in there. Better not get in after them. He said we saw what that water did to them and we had sense enough not to follow them. But He said men in our day have watched what sin has done to others. They have watched what sin has done to our society and they've just jumped right on in head first. They just followed right on in head first. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Why? Why are so many following these pernicious ways? I'm going to give you four reasons. No things about those things. I'm finished this morning. First of all, they follow because they reject God's command of distinction. They reject what God has told us to be different than society. We that are saved are not of this world. It's time we get committed to Christ and the gospel. It's time we get serious about serving the Lord. It's time we get separated from sin and devilish living. It's time that we become unashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God. Paul is preaching with a sense of urgency. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, I beg you, plead with you. Brethren by the mercy of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, my friend, our minds cannot be like the minds of Christ and like the world that rejects Christ at the same time. If you think like them, you don't think like Him. We must be different than this world. Many are those that just don't want to be different. They don't want to be different from this world. They want to be accepted by those down on the job that use the Lord's name in vain. They want to be accepted by those up down, down there that they work with that after work on Friday night head down to the liquor joint together and the honky-tonks and the dance joints and so forth. They want to be accepted by those who mock God, church the Bible, make fun of the preacher and hate the cause of Christ. They want to be accepted on social media and in pop culture. They want to be accepted by that crowd how they flaunt their lewdness and nakedness and perversion. Oh, may the Lord help us. My friend, you cannot walk with them or walk with Him and run with them. You cannot live as they live and live as the way God is pleased with at the same time. Some just don't want to be different. Brother Bob, one of the worst things that I could ever have said of me would be that he's just like everybody else. I had somebody ask me a few years ago while I was working with a previous company. They said, you get a lot of trouble. You get a lot of pressure, a lot of trouble because of what you do for the Lord. Business meetings, you get treated like a leper. Conferences and things. When I first went to work there, Brother John, they wanted me to be the designated driver because they knew that I wouldn't drink and all thought all of them could until they figured out they weren't riding home with me like that. First time you throw one out and say, look, you can't bring that in here. You kidding me? You think I'm letting them come in my automobile with their liquor? No way. 
They thought that it'd be okay, you know, to have the preacher around because at least he'd be able to drive them home. But I wasn't going to drive them home with that liquor. If they're going to go home, they're going to have to wipe all that mess off their mouth, put all the cups and the bottles and whatever aside. I wash their face and hands. Had to my friend get in the car and behave themselves like they got halfway good sense till we get back. Not going to talk ugly in there. We're not going to behave ourselves unseemly. They said, don't you know how you get talked about and treated around here? I said, I'm not stupid. I'm hard of hearing, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> I mean, I know how I get talked about. Yeah. Well, don't you ever just wish sometimes that you were just like everybody else? Yeah. It didn't take me 12 seconds of debating an answer to that one. Brother Austin, I said, no. Amen. Not at all. If they knew what I know, they would look to God they were like me instead of wishing that I was like them. Listen, I'm nothing in myself. I am not a good person. I'm not a good Christian. I'm not a good preacher. I am nothing. But the Lord saw fit to put something good in me. That, that which is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Anything that's good in me is Jesus. Anything that's good in me is what God has done in my life. And I do not want to get rid of anything that's good in me to follow after what's bad in the world. I'm thankful for the good thing He put in me. Grateful for it. I'm glad to be different. I don't want to fit in. I don't want to belong. I have zero desire to conform. Don't want to dress like them. Don't want to act like them. Don't want to smell like them. Don't want to talk like them. Don't want to run like them. Don't want to act like them. I am not interested at all. Matter of fact, sometimes I revel in the fact that I don't even know what they're talking about. Amen. Did you see so-and-so on the awards program on TV last night? And I look back and say, I didn't know this happened in an awards program. And I don't know who so-and-so is. And I don't know what award they got. Oh, they're the one that sang that song, so-and-so and so-and-so. I don't know that song either. Is it in the Red Book hymnal? I mean, is it? Uh, is that one uh, the one that they play on Enlightened? I mean, does the Primitive Quartet know that song? I mean, hey... Is that sung by the Morrison sisters? Then I probably don't know it. Amen. Amen. Yes, Y'all listen to what I'm preaching? You think I'm being foolish or funny, but I'm not. I do not know who these people are. Did you see the ladies saying that so-and-so did? My friend, listen, I don't even know who they are. Don't even know who they are. So-and-so in Hollywood. I wouldn't care what they did in Hollywood. Some of y'all listen to me. I have been to Hollywood. Walk of fame, stars on the sidewalk and everything. I've been there. Walked right down through there, stood on top of the star, had John Wayne's name on it. Andy Griffith, I had my picture made. We're walking along like that, Brother John, right in the middle of that town. I'm going to get away from my watch that way and preach as long as I want to and won't know how late it is. And then they won't nobody be able to blame it on that. We're walking along down Hollywood Boulevard and somebody taps me on the shoulder like this. I turned around and looked and it was Catwoman. <laughs> Full blown, I'm talking about. Entire uniform and everything. 
And she grinned real big and flung out her claws like that, you know, and looked right behind her and the Incredible Hulk stood there like this. I said, ain't this cool? We're going to get our picture made. You know, I said, is it okay if Incredible Hulk gets her picture made with us? He said, see. <laughs> Incredible Hulk didn't even speak English. Well, no brainer to him. He didn't speak English. Amen. I can't remember who else it was, Spider-Man and somebody else was there with him, right there walking around the street. But I'm going to tell you something about Hollywood. Walking right down the middle of Hollywood Boulevard. Standing right there on top of the John Wayne star, the Andy Griffith star, Lucille Ball star. And just across the street, every single building had bars on the windows. If you'd have took a journey off of that street by... 15 feet you took your life into your own hands or more likely into somebody else's hands. There was garbage on the street knee deep. Knee deep. Glamour my eyeball. Filth and garbage. Needles where men had men and women had sat on the side of the road right there on Hollywood Boulevard right there on the Star Walk Hall of Fame sat there and run the needle tracks up and down their arms and thrown their nasty needles used on the ground on the sidewalk right there as you were walking by glamour my hind leg no glamour to it friend it was uh, destruction it was perniciousness it was uh, the result of a hundred years of sin and wickedness and lewdness and ungodliness it is reaping what we have sown it is no glamour to it at all it is the devil doing what he does my wife and children are here and they know what I'm telling is the truth my wife said, I've seen all I want to see of Hollywood. Let's get out of here. Amen. I said, let's ride through Beverly Hills. We rode through Beverly Hills. I wasn't too impressed with that. I like to have missed it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Bowden Junction looked a whole lot better to me than either one of them places did. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That's exactly right. I mean, you'd have found the same thing in West End. You'd have found the same thing down the street beside Grand Park. You'd have found the same thing on Fulton Industrial Boulevard. And the little dirty streets that come off the sides of it. It's the same sort of neighborhood. You know why? Sin does the same thing. It does not matter if you're in Hollywood, Beverly Hills, New York City, Paris, France, London, England, or right here in Harrison County, Georgia. If you follow their pernicious ways and live to the same thing. You don't want to be like that crowd or you'll end up like that crowd. You don't want to be like them or you'll be like them. Don't want to be like them. I do want to be different. Some are following their pernicious ways because they don't want to be different. Some are following their pernicious ways because of their love for sinfulness. God's people love God. The world loves sin. But if a child of God dabbles in sin, it will hinder your love for God. The more you commit spiritual adultery against our bridegroom, the more vexed your relationship with Christ will become. Oh, listen, you may cheat on your spouse. Have them not know, but our heavenly bridegroom knows. My friend, and if you cheat on him, you commit adultery against him. It vexes your relationship with Christ. Get out of the sinning business this morning. Amen. 
Matthew 24 and 11, And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. You know why some don't love Jesus like they used to love Jesus? They're so full of sin that it has smothered their love for Christ. I'm coming back to it in a few weeks, maybe even next week. That fiend has gotten in the way of them loving God. While men today continue to preach messages of encouragement, iniquity abounds. And there is less and less to be encouraged about. May we be exhorted and encouraged again when men get right with God again. Get right and you can get encouraged. 2 Timothy 4 and 2, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. All preaching is not about lifting you up and making you feel better. Sometimes we need to be reminded not to follow their pernicious ways. Number three. Reason why some are following pernicious ways is because they reject God's command of distinction to be different. They love sin. Number three, because the world has changed their thinking. Amen. We that are saved are constantly bombarded with the philosophies of this world. And your natural man will conform to the spirit of other natural men. But we are to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 2 and 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. If you're born again, you are to think like Jesus does. Philippians 2 and, 5, let the, 2 and 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, the reason why this world doesn't know God is because the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that obey not, believe not and obey not the gospel. Be real careful what you lend your mind to thinking about. If all you do is think about bad stuff all the time, all you're going to have in your mind is bad stuff. Had a conversation with a couple of different folks in the congregation this week, one on yesterday, how important it is to get in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I mean, let the peace of God, which passes all understanding, fill your hearts and or keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I mean, that same chapter that says, My God shall supply all you need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That same chapter says, And I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Get your mind on these things. Some of you spent way too much time thinking about lewdness and sin and how wrong everybody is and how bad off everything is. Next thing you know, you get to thinking everybody's like that. Before long, the devil have you convinced it's all right. You just go that same route. You're not thinking right. I want you to hear something this morning. Some of you need to hear this. You need to hear it. Everybody's not drinking liquor. Everybody's not. We're everybody's not chasing after somebody else's wife, Amen. somebody else's husband. Amen. 
Everybody's mind ain't in the gutter. Everybody's not being dishonest on their job. Everybody's not full of jealousy and strife and hatred. But Thomas, if you would, everybody is not doing the same things you think they are. Recently we had a, uh, had a business meeting and are we good there, dear brother? We recently had a business meeting and they had given away door prizes and so forth and my wife was there along with another lady out of our office and representing our company and so forth. And when they started giving away door prizes, there's somebody that had come and he's lost. He don't know the Lord. He wasn't trying to do something ugly. And that's why I had him shut that live feed down because I don't want to hurt his feelings if he watches the broadcast because he was trying to do something good. He just don't have, he don't have any instruction in the gospel. He doesn't know the Lord. And he brought to that meeting a big, expensive, nice basket with cutlery and uh, and uh, uh, straws and uh, bowls and cups and glasses and a bottle of vodka and stuff to make mixed drinks and a, and a four pack, not a six pack, but a four pack of some sort of holiday beer, liquor, something. I wouldn't have known what it was if somebody had told me what it was. Didn't recognize it. I ain't never even seen advertisements for it. For all I know, it could have been 50 cents bought down at the, uh, bought down at the Chevron where they sell single cigarettes. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know one from the other. Big old basket full of it. Everybody drops their business cards into a business card box, you know, and they're going to draw out a winner of all sorts of gifts. That wasn't only gift. There, there's door prizes. Like at a regular business meeting, like some was a gift card to Cracker Barrel or... You know, somebody had a had you know some sort of little wing ding that their office giveaway, you know, and paperweight or a stapler or whatever else. They draw the business card for that basket, and 150 or 200 people are there. And guess whose business card has to be drawn? <laughs> Honest to God, that's a fact. Sonia, and I'm back at the office. She sends me a text message and says, somebody just gave me a box full of liquor. What do I do with it? I didn't know what she was talking about. I didn't know it was a gift prize, door prize from that meeting. She said, what am I going to do with this? I said, whatever you do, don't give it to nobody else. Are you listening to me? There's a half a dozen people come by and say, we know good and well you don't drink. Give that to us. And she said, my husband's already told me I'm not giving this to nobody else. Put it in our automobile. Now what are we going to do? I'm praying she don't have a car wreck. I can tell you that. Amen. I'm telling you. I'm thankful she told me. Boy, what would really been bad if she hadn't told me what happened and then had a car wreck. At least I knew what had happened. I could at least explain it for her. I mean, a big old vodka. But I mean, it's big. Beer and all that mess. She drove home. She said, what are we going to do with us? I said, we're not going to give it to anybody. We'll pour it out. We'll get shut of it. We're not going to give it to nobody else. I told her, I said, I wouldn't even use it to... I, knowing what I know, we got rubbing alcohol in our worlds. I said, I wouldn't even use it to clean a cut. Not keeping it around for that. 
and get some rubbing alcohol at the Dollar General for a dollar. Not worried about that. She drove home, had it in the back of the car. I plumb forgot about it. About three or four days later, she said, you know I've got a box of liquor in the back of the car, don't you? That's right. I told her, I said, I'm taking the garbage off to the dump. I'll take that mess with me. And I unloaded the basket and took out the cups. You know, there's some nice silverware and stuff in there. Took that out and so forth. And she wanted the basket to put Christmas stuff or whatever in it. It's a nice wooden basket, pretty basket and so forth. So we took the basket and I took the bottle of liquor and the beer and all that mess out and put it in a sack. And here I go down there to the dump. <laughs> Sonia don't even know this part of the story yet. Some of y'all would be worried about me preaching late if I wasn't telling what I'm telling right now. I don't see nobody looking to get out. They want to hear how that story ends. I get down at the dump. Brother Thomas, when I get there, all of the dumpsters are full. It's right after Thanksgiving. They've been closed for several days. The man standing out there, he said the, the, big, uh, the big box that you know you slide things down inside of it in a compactor. That's the word I'm looking for. The compactor's full. He said, is everything in your truck in sacks? I said, most all of it is. It's important. He said, well, I'll help you unload it. I said, no, so I can handle it myself. <laughs> Not having him help me unload it. He said, if it's not in a sack, you can't put it in that garbage can right there. And so I'm sitting there unloading and have a bottle of liquor, vodka, and beer in the back of my vehicle, and I can't even throw it in the trash can. <laughs> and the man helps me unload it, all the trash. And I thought, I'm just going to load this fast as I can. hope he don't notice it. I'm not taking time to explain. And then I drive to a convenience store there close by where they have a dumpster pulled out behind the feed store where I thought nobody would see me, dumped it out there, and threw it in the trash can. But I'm going to tell you something. You are looking at a preacher this morning, at a person who loves God, who has zero desire to conform. We're riding out on Friday night to Douglasville after listening to Brother Blues preaching and just talking while we're sitting and eating supper. And Sonia looked at me and she said, I drove around for, because the holiday came in. They closed the dumpsters. Thanksgiving holiday was there. She said, I drove around for a week with that liquor in my car. And she said, you know what? I was not tempted one time. One time. Did not, she said, it embarrassed me, it bothered me, it didn't tempt me even one second. Y'all listen to me this morning. This world wants you to come to think like they think, live like they live, and conform, but you don't have to go with them. Amen. Now I'm finishing with the last one here. Number four. One of the main reasons why that folks follow the pernicious ways of others is simply because of the loneliness of separating out to God. I'm going to tell you a truth that lots of preachers will not say and lots of churches do not want to admit in our day. 
But if you will live for God, there will be some days that you're going to live a little bit lonely. There will be some of your friends who used to walk with you who will not anymore. Some of your family members will say, you've just gone overboard. We don't want to see what you're doing. We don't want to live like you're living. We don't even be, want to be around to watch you do it. You've become a religious fanatic. You've gone overboard. You're some kind of nut or something. We don't know what's happened to you. You didn't always used to be like this. I remember when you used to be a lot of fun. You're just an old fuddy-duddy. You're a stick in the mud. You have no personality anymore. Isn't it amazing the things they'll say? If you were to talk to them the way they talk to you, they'd say, I thought you was a Christian. But they'll mock you and make fun of you. And Satan will use that to isolate you and get you to thinking, I better do some of what they do or else I'm going to be completely alone. Jesus said, except a man should come to hate, and that does not mean to despise, but rather to love less, his father and his mother, his brother and his sister, and indeed his own life also, he is not worthy to be my disciple. And he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me or he is not worthy to be my disciple. What I'm saying to you is not everybody's going to be happy because you got saved. Not everybody's going to be thrilled that you got right with God. Not everybody's going to clap and applaud and rejoice because the Holy Spirit has filled your life and God has brought you out of sin and changed who you are and what you do. Some will oppose you to the face. There will be some days of loneliness. Jesus walked up the road to Calvary and everybody forsook Him. Are you greater than your Lord? There will be some days of loneliness. You know when Jesus was the loneliest? When He took up His cross? You know when you're going to be at your loneliest time? When you bear your cross and you become like Jesus and you refuse to be like this world, that's when those days will come. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. You've even got a greater promise than Jesus had. Y'all hold on right now. Jesus made it up the hill with that cross and all forsook him and fled. And he hung between two thieves, Brother John. And what else did Jesus say up there? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But you know what you have? You have a promise from God that He'll even do you better with your cross than what Jesus had with His. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You'll never get on the cross. You'll never bear your cross. You'll never get in a lonely time and say, God, you've walked away. You've forsaken me. You've forgotten me. He said, you'll never be forsaken. You'll never be forgotten. Hallelujah. You see, the child of God can only be lonely if he chooses to ignore the company that walks by his side. I have somebody with me all the way. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, bless His name for the Spirit of God that dwells down in my soul. 
I'll go ahead and take this way with God's despised few. I started in Jesus and I'm going through. Can you sing that for me? Hallelujah. Loneliness. There will be some days you just will not fit in. You just will not belong. Can't be like everybody else. But our desire is to be like Him. Crowds not rushing down the royal road of the redeemed. The song said, though none go with me, still I will follow. And that's easy to sing, but spiritual resolve is required to accomplish it. It's one thing to leave the crowd behind to sit on the bar stool with you. But the time will come and your spiritual walk with God, please, those of you who have been saved more than two or three months, listen to what I'm preaching. There will be times... In your Christian walk, when it will not just be the crowd that sat on the bar stool with you that you'll have to walk away from, there will be some times that the folks who sat on church pews with you will still forsake you. I don't like delivering a sermon like that. But the sword of division brought by Christ is a reality. Mark 10 34. Think not that I'm come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. I'm come to set a man at variance against his father and daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Doesn't mean God doesn't want you to get along with your family. Not at all. What it means is that there are times if you follow God, your family will not get along with you. And a man's foes shall be they of his household. He that loveth his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Many will follow the crowd just because they don't want to walk alone. The child of God can never be alone when Jesus is by his side. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. I'm going to say it one more time. If the whole world goes wrong, don't go with them. This morning, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, He's the one you need in your life. Grace and Caitlin and Julia. I may, before I'm out of this thing, and I don't know, I like to think I'm a young preacher, but I'm not as young as I used to be. 43 years old this morning, soon be 44. Before I'm out of this thing, if God gives me another 30, 40, 50 years of preaching, I don't know how long. I don't know. No telling. may not be five years. Before I'm out of this thing, your daddy may be the most despised preacher in the country. But if I ever change what I'm preaching this morning, call me out. Let me know it and remind me of what I'm saying. And you will have to listen to folks talk ugly about me, throw rocks at me, make false accusations about me, try to undermine the things that I say and stand for. But hear what I'm preaching to you right now. Though none go with me, still I will follow. And I want all of you to come and go along, but if you don't, I'm going with Jesus anyway. I'm going through. Some of you this morning need to get it down deep in your heart that you're going to do right if it turns all of hell upon its ear. You're going to love Jesus and you're going to follow God. And 
You need to commit to that today. Some of you right now, some of you have been saved a long time. You've become wobbly on the axle. You're just worn out and frustrated. You need to get you a bowl full of gunpowder this morning and get back on the firing line. Go back again to serve the Lord. Everybody stand. I've preached all I need to. Got to quit. Don't want to quit. Got to quit. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Probably going to come back tonight and preach some more on that lonely thing. Got a whole separate message on it. This morning I've preached to you what God's given me. Please be obedient to the Lord. Sing for us when you're ready, sister. If you need to pray, these altars are open. as a place for you to call on the Lord. If you've never been saved, today's the day to get right with God. Sign up for service to the Lord. Ask God to save your soul. Wipe away your sins. If you're a child of God, you ought to get in this altar and pray God and fill you with the Holy Ghost and use you to serve Him. Sing for us when you're ready. obedient to the Lord to this morning. Don't let anybody or anything happen to you. Be real sensitive to the Lord. From heaven I know I've preached a little bit long even for me. I've preached a little long. But I'm telling you our hour is later than what we realize. It's later than we know. in your heart and serve God now. With Jesus.